Asher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. I said to myself, let's go for it. Experiment with pleasure, have a good time. But there was nothing to it, nothing but smoke. What do I think of the fun-filled life? Insane, inane. My verdict on the pleasure of happiness? Who needs it? With the help of a bottle of wine and all the wisdom I could muster, I tried my level best to penetrate the absurdity of life. I wanted to get a handle on anything useful we mortals might do during the years we spend on this earth. Oh, I did great things. Built houses, planted vineyards, designed gardens and parks, and planted a variety of fruit trees in them made pools of water to irrigate the groves of trees. I bought slaves, male and female. Then I acquired large herds and flocks, larger than any before me in Jerusalem. I piled up silver and gold, loot from kings and kingdoms. I gathered a chorus of singers to entertain me with song and most exquisite of all pleasures, voluptuous maidens for my bed. Oh, how I prospered. I left all my predecessors in Jerusalem far behind. I left them behind in the dust. What's more, I kept a clear head through it all. Everything I wanted, I took. I never said no to myself. I gave in to every impulse and held back nothing. I sucked the morrow of pleasure out of every task, my reward to myself for a hard day's work. Then I took a look at everything I'd done, looked at all the sweat and hard work. But when I looked, I saw nothing but smoke, smoke and spitting into the wind. There was nothing to any of it, nothing. And then I took a hard look at what's smart and what's stupid. What's left to do after you've been king? That's a hard act to follow. You just do what you can and that's it. But I did see it's better to be smart than stupid, just as light is better than darkness. When I realized that my fate is the same as the fool's, I had to ask myself, so why bother to be wise? It's all smoke, nothing but smoke. The smart and the stupid both disappear out of sight. In a day or two, they're both forgotten. Yes, both the smart and the stupid die, and that's it. And I hated everything I'd accomplished on this earth. I can't take it with me. No, I have to leave it to whoever comes after me, whether they're worthy or worthless, and who's to tell? They'll take over the earth the results of my intense thinking and hard work. Smoke. That's when I called it quits. Gave up on anything that could be hoped for on this earth. What's the point of working your fingers to the bone if you hand over what you worked for to someone who never lifted a finger? Smoke, that's what it is. A bad business from start to finish. So what do you get from a life of hard labor? Pain and grief from dawn to dusk. Never a decent night rest. Nothing but smoke. Good morning. Good morning. 
Good to have everybody. We're going to start this morning. We're in our, our series that Brian kicked off for us last week. Thank you, Brian. Good job kicking us off last week. Uh, of Ecclesiastes, kind of a tough text, uh, as Brian told us and introduced to us last week. We're going to start this morning with some actually some neighborhood time. So this is something, if you're new to us, we just kind of gather in little clumps and groups right around us. Don't be afraid. Don't be shy. Just turn around, get together with those you came with. Uh, and we're going to talk about this question. When you are going through a dark stretch of life's journey, when you are going through a tough time and a trial and maybe tragic circumstances, and we've all gone through those, when and where do you find hope? Okay? So when you're going through a dark time, when is it you find hope in that dark time, and where do you find it? Okay? Get together. Go. If you don't want to participate, then pray or look like you're praying or something. All right, go. Rob, I'm going to ask you to bring it back in. Thank you. Let me tell you, the, the sound of your conversation is sweet to the ears. I want you to sit in the conversation. I want you to keep thinking about that. Think about the things that you've just heard in your neighborhood groups, the things that were talked about. When you're going through a dark time, when and where do you find hope? We're going to sit in that this morning. And we've got another Bible project video that, about Ecclesiastes that I'd like to show you. So, Preston, let's go ahead and bring the lights down and start the video. Everything is smoke. When uh, my daughters were young, one of the things that I wanted to do as a father was to teach them about music. I love music. I love the arts. And so, as th periodically as they were growing up, I would make compilation CDs back when we had CDs, <laughs> compilation CDs of a different, different genres of music. And then I would type up liner notes and talk to them about the genre and the artists and give them a little bit of understanding. Because I want them to not just appreciate the music, but also understand what was happening in the music. And nothing made me happier when, as teenagers, one of my daughters came home and said, Dad, like, nobody my age knows who Frank Sinatra is. Like, come on, don't you know? I'm like, yeah, I'm glad that you do. As they uh, both left home and were in their college and young adult years, I made a compilation CD for them called Papa's Got the Blues. Because I loved the blues, and I wanted them to understand the blues. And it happened as I was putting together that compilation that I was working on some software that I'd never used before, uh, how to make uh, e-books and publish. So I decided, you know what? I'm gonna turn my liner notes into an e-book that will go along with this. And I told them that the blues, they needed to understand that the blues and black gospel are brothers of the same musical father. It's like the story of the prodigal son. And it's like these two brothers. And one of them, when he got the blues, he went to the church and he, you know, he got into worship and hallelujahs. But the other brother went to the crossroads. And he went down to a roadhouse. And when he got the blues, he worshiped in whiskey and howled out his blues to the night. But when you look at the blues and you look at black gospel, they're basically the same thing. In fact, one blues man once said, 
He said, blues and black gospel are the same thing. It just depends on whether you're singing about God or singing about women. Well, B.B. King, let me give you an example. I love B.B. King, the king of the blues. And he started every concert with a song called Every Day I Have the Blues. And I put that on the compilation CD. Let me read you the verses. Every day, every day I have the blues, every day. Every day I have the blues. When you see me worried, baby, because it's you I hate to lose. Nobody loves me. Nobody seems to care. Nobody loves me. Nobody seems to care. Speaking of bad luck and trouble, well, it's you. I know I had my share. But then he says this. I'm going to pack up my suitcase and move on down the line. I'm going to pack up my suitcase and move on down the line where there ain't nobody worried and there ain't nobody crying. See, one of the things you learn about the blues when you study it is like the psalmist who threw out his heart to God or like Ecclesiastes who pours out. It's like, I don't get it. It's smoke, it's meaningless. The blues usually end up in hope and yet I will trust. And yet I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep pressing on because I know there's a better place down the line. So here's what I want you to hear. I'm going to be contrarian this morning. Brian talked to us about Ecclesiastes. We heard it in there. Boy, this is such a depressing book. Here's what I want you to hear. The blues are about hope. It may not sound like it. It may not feel like it. But it is. Ecclesiastes is about hope. It may not feel like it. It may not seem like it, but it is. Go to slide three, if you will, Preston. Now, I want you to stick with me. And I want us to find the hope in the midst of all the blues that we hear from Ecclesiastes. In fact, let's go on to slide four, if you will, Preston. Now, Brian last week talked about Lady Sophia and Proverbs and this wisdom literature like we just saw in the video. And Proverbs is simple. And that's what we like, don't we? It's real simple. It's a simple equation. Be wise, you're going to have a good life. Be foolish, and you're going to be cursed. And so we go through life and we say, okay, well, if I just do the right thing, if I do the wise thing, then things are always going to be good. And that's the way that Proverbs a lot of times presents it. But Ecclesiastes comes along and says, no, it's not that simple. You see, as you go through life, sometimes things don't turn out the way we plan. And in fact, sometimes we can do the right thing and do the wise thing and still bad things happen. And that's what chapters one and two of Ecclesiastes are really all about. It is the teacher kind of digging into this, wait a minute, it doesn't work that simply. So let's go to the scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter two. Preston, go ahead to slide number five. 
And we're gonna take a look real quick. Now you notice last week, Brian did chapters one. So it actually, the teacher starts out in chapter one. He says, look, all human endeavors, everything that we, we put our mind to, getting ahead in life and getting a career and making money and getting you know, that job that we want and having the kids that we want and having everything that whatever it is that we try and do, it's all smoke. It doesn't last. And then pursuing human wisdom. I go and I try and I read and I try and be wise and I pray and I go to church and I go to school and I study and I get all this knowledge and all this wisdom, but guess what? Then both the fool and I are gonna die someday. So it's still just smoke. There's nothing to it. So now in chapter two, he starts with, I said to myself, come see, I'll test you with pleasure and find out what's good. But that also proved to be meaningless and smoke. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does it pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, but my mind was still guiding me with wisdom, but I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens, under the sun, and during the few days of life. I can't help but think of, uh, those of you who know the Enneagram, Enneagram type sevens, <laughs> rushing after pleasure. All right, I'm gonna go out, let's have some fun. Forget about all the dark things, and yet, it's still just smoke. And then comes the achiever, the type three in the Enneagram. I took great projects, I built houses, I, my name was on buildings, I was a success in life. I made reservoirs, I did lots of things in, on the earth, I bought male and female slaves, I amassed silver and gold, I was wealthy, I had all sorts of status, I was the king, everything went on. And yet, once I got to that place, it was still meaningless. It didn't satisfy like I thought it would satisfy. And then comes the voice of the Enneagram Fours, the pessimistic, dramatic pessimist saying, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart, no pleasure. My heart took delight. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna indulge all my appetites and find pleasure in them. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, all that toil had achieved, everything was meaningless. Nothing new under the sun. And then we get into, we get into type fives and think, study, turn my thoughts to consider wisdom. I was logical about it. Also madness and folly. I thought through everything. I investigated and I was curious and I saw wisdom is better than folly. And yeah, I get that. And the wise have their hands, have in their eyes in their heads while the fool walks in the darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. So that's meaningless too. That's just smoke. And then, <laughs> then the voice of the type one the black and white thinker comes in. So I hated life because the work that had been done under the sun, I did what was right. I did what I was supposed to do. I did what that inner critic told me to do. I followed the rules. I did everything the right way. But all of it was meaningless, spitting into the wind. I hated all the things that I had toiled for under the sun because I've got to leave them on to somebody else that comes behind me. I don't get to keep them. There's no satisfaction in that. I did the right thing and I amassed these things and then I'm gonna die and it's all gonna be gone and it's gonna go to somebody who didn't even work for it. What's right about that? All of these things, over and over and over again, it's all hell. 
Well, when we were in our teaching team a couple weeks ago, Kathy uh, said, you know what? One of the things that she noticed in the text was all, uh, not only is Hevel meaningless, time and time and time again brought up, but also the phrase under the sun or under the heavens. Because uh, let's go to the next slide, if you will, Preston. Both Hevel and the, and the Hebrew word for under the sun are used about, about 30 times. And so remember back in the book of Acts, those of you who've been with us uh, for a few years, when we talked about life on the four levels. So let's go to the ne- next slide, if you will, please. Can you go to the next one, Preston? There we go. So the first three levels are life here on earth. Level one is the kingdom of self. It's my relationship with God. It's the conversation that I have between me and God. That's level one. Level two is me in my community and in, the, in the, my circles of influence. And even in that, so in that, the people that I touch, the people that I live with, the people in my community, that's level two. And then you get to the third level, and you get to the kingdoms of this world. So those are the institutions, business, and religion, and government, and all of the things on that big kingdom of of this world level. And so as we go through this, one of the things that we recognize, he keeps saying under the sun. So what I want you to see there is level four is the kingdom of God. But everything under the sun, see, so so the, the teacher is saying this, look, I'm struggling through, I see it in myself, and my wisdom. There's level one. And I go out and I, I have slaves and I have a family and I have all this thing, and that's level two. And I build projects and I do great things in the kingdoms of this world, and that's level three. And it's all vapor, it's all smoke. And through the smoke, under the sun, The teacher is trying to see level four. He's trying to see the kingdom. He's trying to find what God has, but he's blocked. He can't see through the smoke. Let's go to the next slide, if you will, please. So, the teacher honestly admits where I find myself and you find yourself some days, that Everything here on earth is what's real. I can touch it, I can smell it, I can taste it, I can hear it. This, this earth, this life, all that happens under the sun is, is what I know, it's what's real to me. And yet, it's all smoke. And so I struggle to see through the smoke to try and find something that's real from God in it. But recognize that the teacher is speaking from a place before Jesus. Hundreds of years before Jesus. And then Jesus comes and he challenges us to actually embrace the notion that level four, the kingdom of God, eternity, is more real than anything we experience on this earth. So if you feel yourself struggling, like the teacher, with things under the sun, what Jesus says is, go ahead to the next slide. 
Will you please press in? What Jesus said is this. Don't hoard your treasures down here on earth where it gets eaten and moths and corroded by rust. And isn't that what the, what the teacher just said? I put all of my life and investment into the things under the sun and it was all smoke. Stockpile treasures in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's, isn't, it's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is is the place you most want to be and end up being. So what Jesus asks us to do is to look at all of our struggle with things here under the sun and by faith believe that it is truly smoke. Because what is real is what's to come. And if we can live this life, this journey, this day, with the faith vision to see that through the smoke, to see what is really real, it will change our lives. But yet here we are, right? And what Jesus is really saying here is, what do you value? What do you value? Is it here? Or is it there? What is truly valued in your life? For those of you who are new or are guests or have not been part of the auditorium or you're double dippers and don't, aren't here a lot, I, would, I wanna beg your forgiveness um, and your grace and mercy here a little bit because I wanna... I wanna talk a little bit to those of us in this auditorium family that have been on this journey since the auditorium began. And there's a lot of us for whom this auditorium is our family. Because we've been living this for years. I don't know if you recognize that, but we have. I remember back to the time when all of a sudden things were, felt so good and things were cranking, things were love, and all of a sudden one week, Pastor Andrew was no longer here. What the hell? <laughs> I remember when uh, Mike Cranmer crushed his fingers. His hand was completely smashed, and we prayed for a miracle, and do you know what? God grew his bones back. And the doctors even said, we don't even know how that, I've never seen anything. We've got the x-rays to prove it. One week it's crushed, the next week you've got new bones. That is a miracle. And then we prayed for Brian Jakubiak. For weeks and months and years, we prayed for him and his cancer. God didn't, Miraculously save him. What the hell? And how do we, what do we do in both of those things? I remember Carol Schulte, I'll never forget, coming back and she was, she was sitting right back there in front of Wendy and I and she was towards, she'd been in chemo and obviously was not in a bad place. And so she had a mask on. Back before, that was back when masks were really strange, right? But she had a mask on, obviously, because her uh, immune system had been depleted by the chemo. 
and things were not looking good for her. And I watched as we were, as we were worshiping, and all of a sudden, she took off her mask and she threw it on the ground and she stepped out into the aisle and she started dancing around all the way back here. She danced all the way around here and danced up to the front as she worshiped. See, some of us are like the, the black gospel brother. We sing our hallelujahs <laughs> and we worship and that's where we find it. And some of us, we're like, we sing the blues, and we struggle, and we howl, and we scream at the night. What the hell? God, why do you heal one and not the other? We've seen young people that have grown up in this room and have gone on to college in good places. And it's so wonderful, what a blessing. And then we have young people who leave us so, so soon and before their time. What the hell? And we've had babies born in this room. Remember Austin and Ashley Schuler? We were praying for them because they were struggling to have kids. And then it came. And the Kempens, babies, beautiful. Yes. And then we've had babies that didn't make it. I had the honor of doing one of the funerals. And Wendy and I sat back in that back row and prayed for years and tried everything to have a baby. And we lost one. And then it wasn't to be. God, what the hell? Why? Why one and not the other? Well, the theme of this room over time, for those of you who haven't been here through the whole journey, is the chain reaction to praise, right? We praise God in every circumstance, the blessings and the tragedies, and it activates our faith to pray powerful prayers. And sometimes those powerful prayers are prayers of healing and we see the miracle. And sometimes those powerful prayers are prayers of anguish and, and grief and pain. But it all leads to overcoming the darkness. The journey is the same. We're, it leads to the overcoming of darkness. And it teaches us and prepares us and grows us up for level four, <laughs> for life when we live in the light and we reign with Christ. I'm gonna ask the uh, worship team to come on up. A gentleman by the name of Horatio Spafford who uh, yeah, he experienced his share of Hevel. Successful lawyer in Chicago. And then his son, at the age of four, died. He had a wife, five kids, and his four-year-old son died. Uh, that same year, Spafford's <laughs> law office was 
destroyed in the great Chicago fire. So a year or two of struggling and figuring out getting himself back on the feet, he thought the best thing for his family would be to take a little trip and to get away, get out of Dodge, go someplace new and experience, get some refreshment. So they decided to go to Europe on a summer holiday. He puts his, uh, there was a, a business problem that came up. So he put his wife and his four children, daughters, on the ship to Europe and said, I'll, I'll join you here in a couple of weeks. On the crossing, the ship hit a barge and sank. And then Spafford uh, lost his other four children in the sea. His wife grabbed onto some wreckage and lived to tell the tale. She telegraphed Spafford simply saying, saved alone, what shall I do? So he boarded the ship to join her in Europe. And he asked the captain of the ship, when we get to the place where my daughters died, will you let me know? So in the night, he got a knock on his cabin. He said, sir, we're approaching the place. So he went up to the deck. And as the ship cut through the waves and the mist of the waves and the fog blanketed it with hevel. He pulled out a piece of paper and he wrote the words, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, you've taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. So we're going to sing that this morning. And then we're going to have some action steps. And we're going to dismiss and go home or to coffee time. But I just want to encourage you as we sing these words... If you're in a bad place, wherever, whatever your lot in life right now, I would like you to embrace like the teacher of Ecclesiastes as he finds in the last verses of chapter two, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This is the hand of God. For without God, who can eat and find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom and knowledge and happiness, but to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand over to whoever pleases God. But like B.B. King, he's just saying, I'm gonna press on, I'm gonna keep moving down the line. I'm gonna say it is well with my soul and keep going down. So as we sing, if you need to, we've got elders here. You might take them and take the bread and the juice the body and the blood and say, Jesus, it's well. It is well with my soul. Let's sing. First of all, actually one step, uh, contemplation. For our contemplation this week. Take some time, say, if I honestly admit, one, what I spend my time doing, what I spend my money on, two, what I 
talk and read and think about most, or what I spend my emotions longing for. Take those one by one and say, if I'm really honest about what I spend my time doing, what does it say about what I truly value? And do that with each of those four. And then action step number two, slide 11. Wendy taught us this uh, when she taught a couple, <laughs> a couple of years ago when she talked about infertility. This is Wendy's mantra. And we learned this in our infertility journey. She would say, if God is good, and I believe he is, and God desires what's best for me, and I believe he does, then dot, dot, dot. I know I'll get through this. I know there's a better job for me. I know God has a better relationship than the one who just jilted me. Whatever it is. So wherever you find yourself, whatever you need that hope for, if God is good, and I believe he is, if God, just say it, have it, write it out, and keep saying it. And if God has my best mind, and I know he does, then, and say whatever it is that you have to say in faith. And then action step number three, next one. And this is uh, about what we valued. Make one conscious choice this week to invest your time, your energy, your money, resources, whatever it might be, not in what is Hevel, <laughs> but in something that is spiritual treasure. You could sign up for 24-7 prayer. You could memorize a Bible verse that speaks to you. You could give your money to a need rather than spending it on yourself. You could, you could finally have that coffee or lunch with that person that you've been saying for so long, yeah, we gotta get together. Call them up, make it happen. Whatever it is, make one choice this week, would you?